this morning, we're going to talk to you a little bit about preparing your heart for the race. You know, we've been learning a lot over the last few weeks about um, running our race successfully, running our, getting to the start line, getting yourself prepared. But to get to the, when you get to the start line, you need to have a healthy heart. You need to have prepared your heart right so you're ready to run that race. You know, this, it's going to be a marathon. It's not going to be a quick sprint, it's a marathon. And if you get to that start line and your heart isn't prepared, then you're not going to be able to finish because you're going to struggle. You might start off well and then your heart won't be prepared so you can finish. You'll start part, part way through. So it's vital that we take an honest, good look at our heart. We need to see what training we need to do. We need to, what we need to do to be in peak condition so that we can then start our race. So our scripture this morning... Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So the first thing this scripture tells us is to throw off everything that hinders. So our first point is ensure that your heart is unhindered and ready for the race. So I just want to ask you a question. What is the current state of your heart? You're not going to be able to just answer this now. It's going to take prayerful consideration you're going to have to go away and truly examine your heart. If you were worried about your heart in the physical state, there are a number of tests that you can submit yourself to. We've got ECG, echocardiogram, cardiac catheterization, CT scan, MRI. These are all a number of tests and they all look at different things. Between them, they'll show you the rhythm, the structure, the function, the blood flow, the blood vessels, and it will show your heart from every conceivable angle. Physically, we understand that we are not specialists of the heart. We're not going to be concerned and just think, I can handle this. And yet spiritually, we often think, it's all right, I can, I've got this, I can handle it, I'm okay, it'll all work out. We've got specialists for the heart, and the Holy Spirit is the specialist of your heart. If you want to know the state of your heart, you have to let him examine you. You have to look at him, and then you have to do something with what he says. Because he can't just tell you what's wrong, he can tell you how to fix it. He can tell you how to be ready. So you need to ask him, what do I need to let go of? There are so many things that we hold on to that are hurting us, that are not helping us with our race, and we don't need them. We have hurts and pains from the past. Some of them can be really old, and some of them can be recent. We can have had these for so long, we're not even aware we're holding on to them anymore, which is why we've got to go to the Holy Ghost. One of those things that you find hidden is unforgiveness. It's a key to a lot of the things that you're holding. I saw this um, image on Facebook, and it showed me a lot. It has been doctored a little bit. Um, look at the way they're struggling with this giant boulder, but they don't need to. One of them's like, wouldn't it be easier if we put this down? Yes, it would. So stop holding on to the unforgiveness. If you keep holding, you have a choice. You can decide whether you want to hold on to it, take it with you, try and get up this hill with it, or you can put it down. If you choose to hold on to it, you are putting your heart under unnecessary strain. 
So to get an unhindered heart, forgiveness is quite key. You know, we all have wounds and they all go back to our origin. They all go back to something in the past that's happened. And if you don't deal with it, you'll then move into deterioration. Your heart will start to deteriorate. But in order to heal those wounds, you have to go and embrace them. You have to really dig down into those wounds and really get to grips with what, what it's doing to your heart. And the first part of this is surrendering. Acknowledge that, acknowledge that it, was, it hurt you and speak it out. Let it out of inside you. You don't have to go and tell the person who's hurt you, but just you speak it out. Speak it out to God. Speak it out to a friend that you can trust. You know, God knows anyway, but just tell him. Get it out, get it out of you. So who do you need to forgive? This is something only you can answer. Who has hurt you in the past? Who do you still feel resentment towards? Who have you not yet forgiven? These are the things that you need to consider. And this is, where, this is the first part of the forgiveness. Surrender it. And then grieve. Grieve the, the actual wound itself. Don't dismiss what happened. It mattered to you. Something inside you has hurt you. And it's still hurting now. That means it matters. It doesn't matter what it was. To you, it does matter. Because it's still hurting you inside. It doesn't mean you're diminishing what happened. It doesn't mean it's saying, oh, it didn't matter. Uh, I'll just let it go. Or I probably deserved it anyway. Or the person didn't really mean it. It mattered to you, so you need to grieve that. Acknowledge what was wrong and then choose to begin the process of releasing yourself from that wound. Realize how you may have been affected. Look at what, how it's affecting your life. What, what is it stopping you doing? But it, and also look at who has hurt you. You know, often it's a loved one. It's your mom, it's your dad, it's a brother. It's a, um, your sister or you know, someone close to you that's happened in the past. It's because of how much you love that person. That's why it hurts so much. If you didn't care for them and they've hurt you in the past, it probably won't affect you quite as much. But it's because of who has hurt you that you're holding on to it. So have you ever actually acknowledged how they've hurt you and how much it's affected you and what this effect has had on your life? Or have you just been covering it up because of who they are? So once you've surrendered and you've grieved your wound, you've then got to just let God love you. Let him speak his truth over you. Accept his love and allow him to cover you. Be intimate and vulnerable with him. This is the covering that he can give us. Now for a man, this is, this is one thing that can be quite difficult. We don't like to, to let people in. We don't like to... Um, feel like we're not good enough and we have to let someone else do something for us. But that's what we have to get over as men. We have to accept God's love and just let him cover us for a bit while we go through this process. You know, it's a lot, it's sometimes it might be a bit easier for women to do that because they're, they're more open to these sorts of things. But for a man, it's quite difficult to do that. And then once you've been through that, the next stage is forgiveness. Forgive those that have wounded us in the past. It's a choice that you make to forgive. Well, it's a choice that you make to prepare your heart to forgive. And remember, that it's not always possible or appropriate to just go and tell everybody what, what it is you've forgiven them for. They may have forgotten about it. They may not know what they've done, but it's in your heart. It's your heart that you're trying to prepare for the race. Don't, you don't have to go and confront them. You can do it inwardly. And they don't have, even have to tell you that they are sorry. It's, from, it's your heart that you're sort of forgiving them. 
doesn't matter what, what they're doing, that's up to them, that's up to them and God. And you can then choose to release yourself from that wound, from that hurt, whatever it was, and then you've released it and you've forgiven. You've forgiven the other person and then you're on the way to having an unhindered heart. You know, um, Andy gave an illustration this morning in the prayer meeting of um, all your issues and problems being frozen in a, in a box of resin. And you can see it and you can um, learn from it, but they can never come back. And that's what this process will do. If you forgive someone and release them from it, it then goes into that box and you, it can't come back because you've released it, you've dealt with it. And that's where we need to get to. But forgiveness is not a suggestion or something you might think you want to do. It's a command. Colossians 3, 12 to 15. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. It says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Um, bear with each other and forgive one another. It's not saying you might want to forgive them, or you know, if you feel like it, forgive them. It's saying... Forgive one another. There's no option to it. We have the choice to want to uh, prepare our hearts and want to get an unhindered heart. That's our choice. But then to do that, forgiveness is a key part. And that this is telling us it must be something that we have to do. Andy and Shirley talked about the rubble a couple of weeks ago. All around you, some of that rubble is unforgiveness. And you have to deal with that rubble before you can then move on. Or some of, and that unforgiveness is a negative thing. But forgiveness can turn those negatives into a positive. You might have disappointment or fear or rejection in your rubble, but that can be turned into hope. It can be turned into faith and trust. And once you've acknowledged the condition of your heart, forgiven those that need to be forgiven and dealt with wounds, then you're ready to start building healthy relationships. Because relationships is a key part of sustaining your heart during the race. You cannot run this race alone. There's going to be times when you get weary, when you get disheartened, and you're going to need someone there with you to help you through it. Like I said before, it's a long-distance race, so you're going to need help along the way. We read in Hebrews earlier that Jesus sat at the right hand of God he wasn't alone. And we also heard that the, the, script, the scripture in Hebrews says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. You know, it's saying that there's going to be more than one person in this race. So building relationships is key. I'm going to show you a quick video clip now, which will just demonstrate why you might need someone in your race. You can see how they needed one another then to finish that race. So relationship and building that relationship before you start the race is key. If they haven't built any relationship before the race, he's not going to help him across the line. You see, he even pushed his brother to finish second and he finished third. 
That's the bond that they had. And the enemy hates that relationship. He understands the power of two coming together. He understands how powerful that can be and how we need them to survive. And so that's why you, find, you often find he attacks relationships fiercely and violently. And men and women are different and they need different things from their relationship. And this isn't a bad thing, but it can be a strength because it doesn't mean men are better than women or women are better than, or more important than men. God created both man and woman in his image and both carry certain characteristics of his. And to fully represent God, we must acknowledge and embrace the characteristics and relational needs that we carry with each other. So women are generally more focused on relationships. I don't think this is something anyone would argue with. It's built into our nature to care for, love, sustain those that we love. It's who we are, and we often do it at the expense of ourselves. So if we're going to put so much energy into helping others, so much energy into supporting others, which we should do, we need to do it. But at the same time, we've got to be aware of our own needs. We've got to let others in to help us, to support us, to sustain us. We've got to realize that we're not doing all of this in our own strength. We're doing it in God's, and he gives us relationships to help us with this. You don't know when you're going to need an Alistair. You don't know when, like Johnny, you're going to suddenly feel weak, start wobbling and weaving all over the road. But you'll absolutely be glad you've got one when you need him. So you've got to put that time in beforehand. Each and every one of us has an irreplaceable role to play in our relationships. Nobody can be to the people who you love who you can be to them. No one can offer what you can offer. Everything you've got is needed by somebody. But the same is true in reverse. There are so many things that we need for our race that we don't have. Somebody else has got them. You've got to look for those people. You've got to know who they are and you've got to accept the help. You just don't realise how much sometimes our relationships are opposed. And it's our job. Dave already said how Satan hates relationships. He is attacking them because he's fearful of them. So as women, it's our God-given responsibility to fight for and protect those relationships. And I think it's key to look at some of the relationships that we actually need. Because it's not just anybody. But women need women. There are things that we go through, things that we experience that men don't get. And we need each other in those times. We need somebody who understands and can offer insight and understanding to help us. The only way we're ever going to realise that I am not a failure as a woman is to realise that every other woman I know is feeling the same things, experiencing the same frustrations. You've just got to let them in to help you and to support one another. But having said that, women also need men. Now, this is something that's not necessarily appreciated today. I read a quote um, that said, the smartest thing a woman can do is to learn to never need a man. How sad is it that this is what society is teaching our young girls today? Don't need a man. But God created us to need each other. He created us to be relational. So what is it that women need a man for? Pastor Tony's told us many times that we get our identity from our fathers. So without a man, we lose a part of who we are. But we also get headship, covering. We get protection. If you look at Genesis, verse 3, 1 to 6, 
the important part that you can read this yourself, but the important part I want to look at is right at the bottom. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So in the garden, when the serpent tempted Eve, both Adam and Eve were there together. Why did he attack? Why did he go through Eve? Why did he just ignore Adam and go straight to Eve? Is it just because she was an early easy target? Or is it maybe because, because of the fact that she was a relational being, he knew that if he got her heart, he also got Adam's because they were linked. But it just goes to show women are more open to attacks of the heart. Women are more vulnerable because we're open and we're sensitive. And that's not a bad thing, but it shows us how much we need the men. The men are there to cover us, to protect us, and we've got to work together in it. So as a man, a man's heart, he want, or a man wants to feel and look strong. That's in his nature. He wants to look physically, emotionally, and spiritually strong and, and feel good about himself on the outside. And because of this, inside a man's heart can sometimes seem as though it doesn't have much depth or there's not much in it because they're always on the, they want to look as though they've got it all together, but on the inside, there's nothing there. That doesn't mean men can't be deep and men don't have feelings. We need, we need to stop hiding behind a mask of masculinity. As part of trying to be masculine, we don't show that we need others. We try and do everything on our own. We try not to be dependent on anyone. But God made us to, be, to depend on him. There's a quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, cars were made to run on petrol and they don't run on anything else. So God made the human machine to run on him. He is the fuel for our spirits. So we do depend on him. We have to depend on him. You know, needing someone else and depending on someone else is not a weakness. But if you look at TV and films, they portray a lot of the hero in, in all the films. It's always about just the man. James Bond, he does it everything on his own. He's got his gadgets, but he's the one out there all on his own. He can do it all by himself. But in real life, that's not, that's not the way it should be. And men never ask for directions. When you're driving round, we drive round and around. <laughs> endless driving. And until eventually, when, you, when it's going dark and you've missed your appointment, you don't know where you are, then you might ask for directions. But we don't like to, to stop and ask, whereas a woman will quite happily just, as soon as they don't know where they are, I need to know where I'm going. So they'll stop and ask someone. John 5 verse 19 says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. So that's saying we need to depend on God. We need to depend on him. But as part of our relationships, men need men. We need that father figure. And men thrive on competition. And so together, we can then start to build relationships using that, that competition. You know, a lot of men, when they get together, some find it hard to just begin to open up. We need some sort of activity or some sort of competition to do and fill a bit of time so we can start to build that bond, start to get to know each other, start to open up a bit more with each other. And through competition, you can see each other's strengths and weaknesses. 
But it can also be a team building thing, so you build that stronger bond. You know, I play golf with Pastor Tony and Phil when it's dry in the summer. And there is an element of competition from one of them. <laughs> I'll let you decide which one that is. But then afterwards, we've built that bond as we're going around the golf course. But then afterwards, we'll go for a drink. And that gives me an opportunity to open up to them and build a, a, a bond with them and a relationship with them, which I would never have got before. So it's a good thing. And the difference between men and women is that women don't always need that, that activity or that competitive element to open up to each other. They're quite happy to go for a coffee and just start chatting. Whereas men need other men to bring out that from, from inside them. But men also need women. You know, God said we need a woman. That's why he made Eve in the first place. It brings balance to a relationship. And that's the pattern for a marriage. It's a man and a woman. It's not a man and a man or a woman and a woman. It is a man and a woman. So therefore, man needs a woman. We need someone to fight for. You know, a man, I'm going to talk a bit about later about a desire to fight within a man's heart. He needs to fight for a heart of a woman but well, then he needs to continue to fight for that woman after he's won it. And men need women to bring out the more emotional side of them. They need that woman to, to really dig down deep because a man just can't always do that for another man. So ask yourself a few, three questions about relationships. Who do you have in your race? Who's running alongside you? What are they bringing to your race? You know, are they helping or are they hindering you? And what are you contributing to their race? Find out what they need by building relationships with them. Another point that the scripture we read in Hebrews right from the beginning said was run with perseverance, the race marked out for you. Now, the only way to run with perseverance is to have a strong heart. If your heart's not strong, it's not going to carry you through. And one way to have a strong heart is to look at the desires of your heart. So our final point is that a fulfilled heart is a strong heart. If you're always wanting for something, you're always needing something more, your heart's not fulfilled and it isn't strong. Now, again, going back to the physical, a heart needs to, the blood to remove the waste from the heart. But it also needs oxygen in order for the muscle cells to function properly. So we've already looked at how forgiving others and forgiving yourself removes the waste from your heart. So now we just want to have a look at what the heart actually needs to thrive. So each and every one of us has desires. Some of these will be personal, but we want to look at the ones that are, uni that are universal to women and the ones that are universal to men, because there are some that were put into all of us at creation that reflect the heart of God, that tell us more about God's heart. These are the ones that cause us to rise. These are the ones that make us feel fulfilled and worthwhile. And these are the desires that make us come alive. So as little girls, we all had stories that captured our hearts. Obviously not you men, but the women. <laughs> we all had stories that captured our hearts, that spoke of something to us. And these reveal something about your heart. They reveal something about the desires of your heart. They're not just fairy stories. They're not just silly little girl things that are immature and you've got to grow out of and forget about. You don't, because they tell you something about you and they tell you something about your heart. 
Now, sorry, Pastor Tony, we have talked about this a bit this morning. But for me, that was Beauty and the Beast. It was the story that I loved as a kid. And with the new film coming out, I've had to question, why did it matter so much to me? Why have I held on to it for my whole life? Why have I been desperate to see it again? Why did I have to go on Friday when it was first out? Because it spoke to my heart. It taught me about the woman that I wanted to be. So I'm going to use this to look at the desires of a woman's heart. The first thing is, Belle was beautiful, inside and out. This beauty was revealed through her appearance, her bravery, her compassion for the people that she loved and for everybody that she met. She was strong, but gentle. And she was intelligent at a time when women weren't meant to be intelligent. She was well-read, she was well-educated. She did that for herself when it was frowned upon. And she stood for change and progress. That was all encapsulated in her beauty. And women desire to be beautiful, and we desire to be seen as beautiful. The world may cheapen beauty and make it all superficial and pressure to be something that women cannot be. But on the other hand, the, the church often over-spiritualizes it and makes it all about character. And if you care about how you look, that's vain. This isn't true. God made Eve beautiful in form and in spirit. And he's done the same for every one of you. If there's one thing that I want you as women to take, it's that you are beautiful in form and spirit. That is how God made you. And it's not vain to care about beauty. It isn't. I mean, God himself cares about beauty. He himself wants us to see him as beautiful. Revelation 4.3 tells us, it describes to us what Jesus was like. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone and an emerald encircled the throne. And Psalm 27 says, One thing that I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. So beauty isn't vain. It's not about being vain. It's a desire that he has put in your heart. And beauty is important. It inspires, it nourishes, and it comforts. Just imagine you're walking down a city street at rush hour. There's cars everywhere. It's noisy, it's polluted, it's raining, it's grey, and it's miserable. Think about how you feel. And then transform yourself to a beautiful place. Whatever that is to you, whether you're sat on the mountain with a spectacular view, whether you're in the countryside with nature all around you or on a tropical beach with a beautiful sunset, whatever it is that you consider beautiful. And imagine how your mood changes. How do you feel when you're surrounded by beauty? We all recognize the benefits that beauty in nature bring us, but the beauty of a woman's heart that is offered through relationship can impact a life far more. It offers far more benefits because it's who God created us to be. The next thing I want to look at is a desire to be romanced. Belle longed for romance. She wanted to be romanced by, by someone who truly understood her and knew her heart, captured her heart, someone who was willing to pursue her and show just how much she mattered. I mean, I said how she loved to read. He gave her a library. How much does that show how much he understood her heart? He gave her what her heart desired because he took the time to get to know her. 
And the beast was willing to let her go to save her own happiness, knowing it would cost him everything, knowing he would lose everything. But her heart was so precious to him that it came before everything else. And this is what a woman wants to feel like. She wants to know she's the most important thing below God. She wants to know that she's treasured, that she's worthwhile, that she's worth the effort. And again, the modern world says we shouldn't feel like this. Modern women don't need a man. Modern women don't need anybody. We can do it all on our own. I read to you a quote before. This one takes it a step further. It shows exactly what sort of a state the world is in. This was from a woman. I'd rather struggle every day of my life than ever give a man the power to say, you wouldn't have that if it wasn't for me. It's powerful, but at the same time, it takes everything that God has created us to be and it shuts down our heart. We've got to stop desiring them. We've got to stop shutting down the desires of our heart and pretending they're not there. Every woman wants to be romanced and told she's worthy, told she's worth the effort. And when we pretend that's not true, it causes women's hearts to become hard, isolated, and even cruel because we're not accepting what it is that we need in order to be women. Even God desires to be romanced. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So we're not going to find him just by saying, oh, where are you? You've got to truly seek him with everything. You've got to put the time in. You've got to put the effort in. You've got to show how much it means to you in order to find him. If God feels like that, why do we think it's weak and vulnerable to want to be romanced? It's not. There is nothing insecure about wanting to be fought for. Now, I'm not saying that if you haven't been romanced by a man, you're incomplete and you're lacking something. No, you're not defined by a man. You are worthy and worthwhile for who you are, whether you have a man by your side or not. But every woman deserves to be romanced. So if you don't have a man, where's that going to come from? That's going to come from God. He wants to romance you. He wants you to feel these things. He wants to bring those desires of your heart and fulfill them. I read in a book, um, it says, the story of your life is one of long and passionate pursuit of your heart by the one who knows you the best and loves you the most. So who knows you the best and who loves you the most? God, our Father. He is the one that is pursuing our hearts. He is the one that can draw all of those things out. And this is why timelining is so important. We've talked about it for the last few years, about writing down everything that God has done, about keeping track of where you've come from and where you are and how you got there. That is a collection of love letters to you from the one who loves you the most. This is what you can hear if you open your heart to it and you want to be romanced. Hosea chapter 2 verse 14 says, Therefore I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 9 to 10, says, You have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes, with one jewel of your necklace. How delightful is your love, 
my sister, my bride, how much more pleasing is your love than wine and the fragrance of your perfume more than any spice? Don't tell me as women you don't want to hear those things spoken over you. But they are being spoken over you. You just have to open your heart and listen. Let him speak like this to you. You'll be amazed at what it opens for you. And women also desire to play an irreplaceable role in a great adventure. Funnily enough, David and Veronica were talking about adventure in this morning's prayer, and it fits in. One of the lines in Beauty and the Beast, just to show that Belle desired it, I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. I want it more than I can tell. But in order to embrace that adventure, it means leaving your comfort zone. It means stepping out into the unknown and embracing all that that offers. And you know, for Belle, it brought tears, heartache, adventure, friendship, love, and in the end, happiness, but all those other things along the way. And all of those are available for us. We will experience them if we go on the adventure. But ultimately, the adventure allowed Belle to be all that she was meant to be. And it also allowed her to help the beast become all he was capable of being. And that's what adventure does. It teaches us so much about ourselves, so much about what we need, and so much about what others need along the way. So we are made for adventure. Our hearts won't be satisfied without it. Yes, we are princesses, women, but we are warrior princesses. We're strong, we're resilient, and we are formidable. It is, we are called to be warrior princesses in a uniquely feminine way. It is the beauty, the compassion, the love that is within our hearts that causes us to rise up and fight for justice, for peace, for unrighteousness. When we see something that is unrighteous, we have to stand up against it. And it's because of our hearts, it's because of the beauty and the compassion that we have that we do that. So stop denying it. Stop pretending you don't need adventure. You do. It will teach you something about yourself. Now, not all adventures involve fighting, but they do all involve personal development and growth. It teaches us something about who we are, as I've said, and what we need. Even more so if that is a spiritual adventure. You just got to ask those who have been on the communications course, those who are going to moi, who have been to moi, those that have challenged themselves in some way to spiritually develop. Facing the fear, growing is worth it. It's worth whatever it costs you because we need it to be satisfied. So what about a man's heart? Men desire a battle to fight. It's hardwired into every man's heart to look for that battle, look for that adventure. It's that competitive nature coming out again. You know, we want to get out there. But not all men let this fighter out. They keep it within them. They try not to show it outwardly. They, they shrink back in themselves. But God made us to be fighters. He made us to be warriors. He made us to be in his battle lines on the earth. Just, my eye just caught that poster up there. That illustrates it perfectly. That's where men want to be, in that front line. And if we're going to enter that race, we've got to let this fighting spirit come out. In the famous speech in Braveheart, William Wallace, he's the only one who seems ready. He's the only one that's up for this battle. Everyone, all the other armies saying, oh no, we're just going to run. We're not going to bother. And he said, well, you'll die, but at least we're not going to die today. 
but his speech galvanizes them. It brings out that warrior, that fighter that's inside them. It brings that out and they are then ready for that battle. And it's, we seek adventure as a man. To get your heart ready for the race, you have to want and be ready for an adventure. So you have to, like we said before, you have to step out of your comfort zone and you have to put all your trust in God so that when you go on that adventure, you know he's got your back because he's going to come with you. He's going to come with you in your race. He's not just going to say, okay, off you go. And then he's going to stand and watch. He's, he's going to run alongside you. You know, he's the one that's going to go exploring in the forest with you. As a kid, you know, little boys, and they want to climb trees. They want to go exploring in places they've never been to before. God will come with you wherever, you, wherever your, your adventure will take you. But we've got to surrender to him and put our trust and our faith in him. And then he will come with us. But men want to be that hero. They want to rescue that beautiful woman. They want to be the prince who rescues the princess from the tower. This is what makes us masculine. But in, the, in this day and age, society is trying to dampen that, that masculinity within us. People will say, well, why can't a woman go and slay the dragon instead and rescue the man? That's not what, what a man is about. It's the man who wants to go. He has that fighting spirit within him. In the army today, there's still some roles that women can't apply for. There's still some extreme roles that are on the front of the battlefield that women just aren't allowed to, to apply for. Because of the, the extreme nature of the situation, you need strong men who can lift heavy artillery, who can lift the heavy packs that they carry with them, that they've got to be mentally tough in those situations. But that's changing because society is dampening down that. They want to oh, well, why can't women do that as well? And the army is having to come, because it's under pressure, it's having to allow these women to go onto the front lines. And there's even generals in the army which are saying, well, no, that's wrong, because it needs a man who's strong and who, who has the mental toughness to, to win the battle. And to, in the heat of the moment, it needs the man to, to be strong and, and stand firm. But society is taking that right away from a man to be that man. It's how God made us. Therefore, we, as a man, it's, gotta be, it's vital that we are ready to fight. We are ready to go to the battle. Amen? So we've heard all you need to do to prepare your or Some of the things you need to do to prepare your heart. We cannot go into our race without first having prepared our heart. You know, we talked about the rubble and... Andy Shirley talked about the rubble a few weeks ago and removing that rubble and that's all about preparing your heart it's all part of the same thing if we go into the race without preparing our heart without removing the rubble without building a solid foundation on God without doing any training we're not going to finish our race we might start well we might look as though we're going to make it and then we'll just fall short do we want to start the race without doing any preparation if you're unfit, if you've got a heart condition, you don't decide tomorrow, I think I'm going to go and run a marathon because you won't finish. You'll, you'll start part way through. And the devil, he wants us to fail. So if he sees that we're not preparing our heart, you know, he'll encourage us, yeah, go. Go and start your race because there's a chance you might not finish. If you've not prepared your heart properly, 
we might not finish our race. So that's what the devil does. He encourages you. You might think, oh, it's God telling me to go. But no, you have to be careful. You have to listen to what, what's being said to make sure that you are fully prepared and then you can go. Make sure you've built a strong foundation on God. And what the devil really hates is when we do that, when we prepare our hearts right. We've got that godly foundation. We're training our spirits. We're training our ears to hear when God is speaking. We're training our eyes to see which direction we're going. And that's where we need to get to. Amen? Okay, let's stand and pray. Father God, we come before you now. Father, I just start to encourage you to just to open up your heart and start looking into your own heart. Have you got any wounds in your heart? Father, we pray that we will put in the preparation before we start our race. Father, we will look to forgive those who have, who have maybe hurt us in the past. Father, we will go through the process of releasing them from, from us and that we can then be free. Father, we pray for that forgiveness. Come on, take that opportunity now just to really look into your own heart. Do you need to forgive anyone? In the past, don't hold back. Release them from your heart right now. Pray for strong relationships. Father, we pray for strong relationships between men and women. Father, we, men need men. So pray that every man in here will start building those strong relationships with one another. That women will start to get together. And Father, that men and women will come and they will build strong relationships. We will have strong marriages in the church because men and women are the pattern. Pray for strong relationships with friends. In your heart, you need to find someone who is running your race with you. You need to find someone who's going to help you along, who's going to support you. And you need to find someone who you can go and support as well. Amen. Father God, right now, prepare our hearts, oh God. Prepare our hearts so we are ready for that race. We are ready to start our race. So that we can ensure we will finish. And we will finish strong. We will finish strong. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know the video... Sit down. Sit down. The video that we saw before of the Brownlee brothers. It's a very inspiring video, isn't it? How a man is, you know, you train all your life for a marathon only to find out right near the finishing line you see your brother struggling. And uh, the, the South African guy couldn't believe it, could he? The guy was running behind. He didn't win the race. I know he sat there with his gold medal, but technically he didn't win the race. And they were given the race because his brother, uh, sorry, the, the other guy saw his brother. And, and that is a beautiful illustration of running the race. I keep that video myself for very, that, that uh, illustration purposes. They've, they've, uh, they've got there before me and shown it here. But that is a very powerful video. The Bible says two is better than one. If one falls in the ground, how do they get out? Well, the other one can give them a hand to pull them out to where you are. So everything they've been saying this morning is so true. Preparing your heart. You know, we're all, our heart is always in a state of preparation. You cannot run this Christian race 
and be an effective witness for Christ without good companions. Good companions. Wives, husbands, friends, companions. And you see, the one of the, the, the big distinctions you've got to remember is there's a difference between common ground and common purpose. You have a lot of friends. You and I have a lot of friends, common ground. So if you want to go out tonight for a meal, which person are you going to ask to join you at the dinner table? Well, normally you find common ground friends. But if you want a common ground uh, conversation, then you've got common ground friends. But if you want purpose and you're going somewhere in that race, then you need people who's going to help you and keep supplying strength to your life as much as you supply other people. That's why Jesus had 12. Jesus didn't need 12, but the 12 needed the 12. And then he sent them out in twos. And the twos became threes and fours and fives and sixes. And, and, and so the dynamics changed. Why? He's trying to give us a picture that you on your own can't make it. And you and Jesus on your own can't make it. Why? Because God gives you a body. It's called a church. And so he doesn't give you a reason to say, I don't need the church. I could just mean you, Jesus. And this is where so many Christians go wrong. They say, I need the body, but I need a church service. So that's where they say, I need the body. No, to be, you know, I don't see these arms here, the beautiful hands. The beautiful hands and beautiful arms. I don't know what to do without my right arm. I don't know what to do without my left arm. I, I actually like my arms. I actually like my arms. Why? Because they're part of me. And, and me and my arms have got close to each other over these 55 years. And I wouldn't like to say goodbye to them. And they wouldn't like to say goodbye to me. Why? Because God gave me two of everything. Because I need it. And it's amazing what I can do with these hands. It's amazing what I can do with these hands. You know one of the most simple things I can do with these hands? You know what it is? I can put it out. And with this hand, not only do I connect, but I can pull my wife towards me. And she can pull me towards her. And that's why I've got a, soul, a soulmate. But we, I'm not just happy with just Carol, though I'm happy with Carol. <laughs> you see, you, you, you guys have got to know the difference between a comma and a full stop. Yeah? There's a reason why I've got a spade at the back of me. I said, though, although... Carol's not the only one. I have friends, friends, family, and it goes on and on and on. We all need people, yeah? And uh, that's why God's just one big dad who just, who's going to um, wait in eternity and is going to have all his kids with him. Amen? For God so loved the world, that's his family. That's his mentality, family, that he gave his son, knowing that not all will give their lives, but it doesn't stop him still wanting to have a relationship. So this morning, prepare your heart. Keep your heart open for the race. A lot of good things in there. Have you ever seen Beauty and the Beast? Ladies, go and see it. Guys, go and see Rambo or something like that. <laughs> go and see Braveheart, Rambo or something like that. The Born Identity. I don't know, go and do something. Go and see a man film and look what it means to advance, arise and excel. <laughs> <laughs> gladiators do something that's it's amazing how a man can see war and see romance in war <laughs> oh he's romantic <laughs> but when a woman sees one goes nah so beauty and the beast i hope you enjoyed the night ladies
And uh, remember, if you want to go to, um, change your subject, if you're going to go to the funeral, please let us know so we can radio ahead. Okay, let's stand to our feet. Let me dismiss the congregation. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the word that you dropped and, and, and polished inside Dave and Lisa's heart. Father, we take it to heart, that which you gave to them. We thank you, Father, Lord, for unfolding it in our hearing this morning. We thank you for the word. We thank you for the vessels that delivered it. And we take it to heart, oh God, Lord, that you want partnership. You want a good heart, a strong heart, a brave heart, a courageous heart, an adventurous heart. And Father, and a pure heart. Father, we thank you, oh God, for you are our doctor. You look at the heart, not as man would look at it, but as you know it. And Father, your word sent to our heart changes us forever. So Father, we thank you that this morning you have sent your word. You've healed our diseases. You've opened up the Red Sea. You've told us to keep on moving. You sent your word to keep us moving. And in that, oh God, we thank you. And we say, blessed be your name. And the people of God said, amen. Amen. Lord bless you.